The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. stars. Welcome. This is Sharita Star. It's the Sharita Star and Power Hour. Thank you for being here. And again, welcome. This is our first episode of the Sharita Star and Power Hour. And we look forward to committing to connecting our soul cycles to our consciousness Spiritual human experiences, that's what we will be examining here as this podcast progresses. I am Sharita Starr, and we're going to be utilizing the tools of, or divination tools as I also refer to them, of astrology, numerology, and another fun thing called lexigrams, which I will be devoting an entire show to explain. I'm going to touch upon them a little later today when I'm tying in some um, examples to these cycles that we are going to be covering. Today's episode is going to talk about the life cycles that we all experience and kind of connecting these soul to spiritual dots. So we're going to get into the timing from birth in our life all the way through till we decide we want to return back to spirit and go back to the the ethers and uh, become an angel again and watch over what's going on in our interesting world uh, as it is these days. So much changing upon our planet. And of course, our cycles talk about that too. I'll be getting into that in in another episode as well about just what currently is going on. But I thought today and and having the first episode really focus upon how anyone, won't matter what sun sign or numerological guidance you have, you will be always experiencing these cycles at a certain age in your life or I, I, I tend to not love that word age. I like to say where you have evolved and where you have matured to by that point in your uh, personal timeline. And of course, as these cycles unfold for any individual, it's always a personal experience and particular areas of your life that they are unfolding through. Uh But nevertheless, they will show up at these particular ages to experience your, again, level of evolution and level of maturity you have reached at that point. So as we, one of the things that is always circulating for any of us is we are in a constant spin in time in nine And this is tying in what the numerology is able to um, forecast for us at any given moment in our life. And as we arrive upon our birthday, which again will give us this, your birth chart from both the astrological and the numerological standpoints is the constant that then we will always measure time moving forward. 
and then we can foresee what energies are coming into your life and what, you know, things are happening within the soul and how time is moving around us. So when we're looking at, for example, the astrology chart, you've got that constant and then we layer on any given moment in time to see what your current forecast is. And as the numbers cycle, it's always this spin in time in nine. And as we're doing this kind of forecasting, we are, um, we've got three layers of numbers always where there's a current year that we're in, there's a current month that we're in, and then that will also cycle day to day. And that all happens in these layers of how the one to nine will be flowing. And that is, it's an amazing way to understand from a consciousness level energetically what is spiritually happening in our now and you know what's going on and why are we having the experiences that we do we can always see this and then when we tie in how it's affecting us from the astrological standpoint we really just have this it's like a it's like pretty much like having a crystal ball but as i always say with any forecasting I do or examination of, of uh, a human being from astrology, numerology, and lexigrams. And the lexigrams, of course, they come from your name. And well, again, I'm going to touch base with that a little later, what that's all about. But we, you know, constantly have these, uh, again, it, it's a forecast, but I never use the word prediction because that takes away your free will. To say something is an absolute and it's going to turn out exactly as such. That allows your free will not to make its most empowered choice. Because at the end of any day, our free will is always in charge. It should be. Some people give their free will away and then they don't make as an empowered of a choice. Because no matter where whether we're looking at a number, we're looking at a sign, we're looking at whatever cycle it is that's happening in our life, there's always a polarity of what that energy entails. So when we understand these polarities of the energy, our free will can rightfully choose what is necessary for our power to stay intact. And as a lot of things, either from an astrology or a numerology standpoint. You know, there's times in our life where our foot is meant to be on the gas, but then it's also meant to be at other times in more complacent, kind of take the foot off the gas and throw that car in neutral and tap on your brakes down the highway so that you're not we work in such a societal way now that everything is go, 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 and, and, and let's, let's, let's do, do, do all the time. And when you look at the rhythm of how astrology and numerology works, it, 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 that doesn't fit into that cultural, societal way that we've been conditioned. So understanding the rhythms of how our planets are in constant motion and cycling in our lives, and again, what numbers are telling us from um, the current spin in time in nine that we're in, we you know we just again have these these delicious layers of understanding what is happening in the in our personal experiences. So the spin in time in nine. So we start off on our life path. So the day we're born also will tell us what the life path is about, and that's that's a calculation that comes from you know computing the full birth date. And when we're looking at numerology, we always, you know, are working with some form of a compound number and the simplicity of how we understand where is the one to nine happening and, and how are we arriving at that is you always take these compound numbers and you just take the two digits and add them together. And then you get that singular influence. And that's going to show us where that is and, and what number is guiding that. And, and another uh, way, and this is how I was taught this work, 
is the reason why astrology and numerology must be analyzed together for anybody or any given situation or whether we're also looking at collective energy or an entity of a country, for example, or a business, any point of initiation is, is the be beginning mark and that gives us the map from both the astrology and the numerology side of the coin is that we're always working with the understanding of the planets because the planets guide the astrology and the planets guide the numerology. So that's really how I channel, if you could call it a channeling. A lot of people say, I, I, I was, people called me, I've been, the, 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 the title of I'm the psychic of the planets because people think I'm psychic and, and I, and I, and I laugh at that because I'm like, I'm not psychic. You know, I'm a math geek. <laughs> this is all about math, but nevertheless, I do take the math and I translate it to a very psychological understanding and a very, you know, what is happening understanding. So it, I guess it's a form of being psychic in, in a certain regard. Most people, when they sit down with me, they, they, they wonder how I know anything. If they even just tell me the day and the month that they're born on, there's so much I can get out of that. I don't even need your birth chart yet. I can really just nail a whole bunch of things for you backtracking in time what's going on now and 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 then what's coming energetically of course and and they just don't get how I wouldn't know that from just a some little little snippet of information like that about oneself so um that's always where this work has you know it when when I got involved in it um it just started to fascinate me to no end and and there was no other way to really work with life anymore, except to keep diving into what all of these things mean. It's, it's just so, again, it's incredulous what it can tell us. So in starting at the beginning of these life cycles and, and how we all experience our lives in this soul to spiritual dots. So we start off on that life path when we're born. And then as we turn one year of age, we get into our first, what we call a personal year cycle. And so this is where, depending on where we land on the life path, where we're going to start that spin and continue it. And then throughout our life, we're always working with these one to nine year spans that start breaking off time in our life and knowing we're beginning something at one, we build a foundation in year two, three, and four until we reach year five, and then we blossom from that foundation we built in those four years. Major changes typically happen in a, what we call a five personal year, Then we move into a year in the six of harmony and balance. The seven year to follow allows us some inner work Real deep personal reflection typically will happen in our life in a seven personal year. It's not a big active year. It's more of a very internal year where we're healing on many levels, depending on what we need to be doing. We're clearing out energy that's accumulated in that first six years of the nine year span that we no longer need. So that when we move into the eight year, we're in a year of harvest and we're a year of where we're recognized, rewarded in some level, or there's just more work to do in our life to reap whatever that harvest is, especially in connectivity to what we planted and initiated back in the one at the beginning of that nine-year span. And then after our eight-year of harvest, it kind of rides sometimes into our nine-personal year, and then we work with a year of conclusions because the nine is about finalizing and moving things out of the way. And then we're getting ready in that nine year to have that fertile ground back again in what will turn in the, in the one personal year once again. And we just keep doing that every nine years in our life. We're constantly in that spin. So within the year itself, whatever year it is from one to nine, there's a mathematical calculation of how the months are going to also go in that one to nine. And within the month itself, there's a spin in time, a nine of the days. So again, 
in, in the layers of a numerological forecast, we're looking at three numbers at any given day in our life. One which changes every year, one changes every month, and everything changes on a daily basis. And once you really get into that rhythm, it's amazing how to connect those dots. So that's always engaged and always in flow and always moving in, in, in time for us. And as we are born and we experience the first seven years of our life, we're in the most critical emotional development years that we will ever experience. That's where all the emotional kind of bank account, true things that you know we may have to deal with later on as an adult and if it didn't get kind of implemented in a healthy way. Sometimes we have to work on that later in life because it, it gets kind of shadowed and, and pulled into the darkness. But if we have a very emotionally rich time in our life from seven up until seven years of age, we, we, we tend to work with that super well. And when you're looking at an, a child's astrology chart, which of course I do baby readings all the time. And um, that really helps parents understand how to work with their child. It is the moon sign of any younger soul that is how you want to nurture the child. You want to nurture them through the moon. The moon is the planet that guides emotion, imagination, and all of that internal way that we, you know, start processing things and, you know, what happens on an emotional basis in our life. And it's not that we wouldn't want to focus on the sun sign for the child, but in how you want to really nurture, you want to look at their moon sign and especially take that time from birth until they're seven and, and work with what the moon is asking for. Because that's going to really put them in the best emotional development during those years. And as we look to the cycle of what Saturn is doing, and we're going to get into that a little later, how we get to a couple of Saturn returns in our lifetime and, and what's happening at, at, at that moment. But from where the Saturn is natally placed up until seven years of age, it will have made via an aspect, what we call an aspect, and that's just mathematical conversations that happen in our charts. The Saturn is naturally squared to the natal Saturn at seven years of age. And that's where, you know, a lot of people say we've got that seven-year itch. Every every seven years, something is going to change energetically or shifts pretty dramatically. That is due to understanding the cycles of Saturn as it's moving in our current transits. It makes that square aspect at seven years of age. We, at um, 14, it'll be at a form of an opposition it's squaring again once we're about 21 and then it comes back to where it, it started in your life around 28 to 30 or over those years because Saturn takes a couple of years to get through one zodiac sign. So, and Saturn is the planet that represents accountability, maturity, and how we really work with our responsibilities in life. So when we're 7, 14, 21, back to 28 to 30, we're at very engaged stages where there's a lot of shifts that are going on in a significant way. And that's that's the power of what Saturn does. So, and of course, every month in our life, we are looking at, we have a lunar return once a month. So wherever our moon is natally placed, the moon will come back there every 28 and a quarter days. So the moon is, is fascinating to look at because, uh, and that's what I write my lunar scopes about, um, to allow us to have our emotional intelligence in check. And understanding the moon and where it's forming, aligning in a new moon every month and where it aligns in a full moon every month. The new moon is about what we're going to be initiating from where that 
will happen in our natal chart and then where the full moon happens in another couple of weeks, that's a point of release. And that's just going on month to month to month, ebbing, the ebbing and the flowing, the waxing and the waning of the moon. So we can always have another, um, you know, again, point of initiation and point of reflection every month. And that really, when we tap into that understanding, we're always in emotional check, or as I like to say, in emotional response versus reaction. Because the best way to navigate our life is to emotionally respond, not react. You should really only need to react in, an, in a crisis or an emergency. I always do say. And then we'll look at the sun. The sun is your just, you know, the sun is the only planet, by the way, in astrology. Because no two moments in time are ever the same. And astrology is, is the best way for us to understand that because the sun is the center, right? It's the center planet that we're looking at. So as the sun is the only, it's the only fixed energy that we look at in astrology because it never changes the way the transits are, are going. The sun is the constant. So it's always in the same zodiac sign within our understanding of this Gregorian calendar we're measuring time by. But every other planet never follows the same system twice, which is why no two moments in time can ever be the same again. Because all the other planets are at their varying rates of orbit and how they're moving and traveling in the zodiac. But the sun is your constant. And that's why every year you have another solar return. You flip into a new personal year cycle and then you are, your sun is back at the natal point in your chart every single year as you celebrate another birthday. And keep evolving and keep maturing. So the sun never changes the timing of the, of, of the cycles within a Gregorian calendar year. So it's going to be round and about the same, you know, sometimes if we have a leap year, it kind of throws off the, you know, sun moving from it, from Aries to Taurus in the spring, for example, it may be around the 20th of April, or it may be the 21st if it is a, you know, um, leap year for, for example, but it always ends up adjusting itself. So, uh, that's why we always have, you know, if you're ever born on a cusp, by the way, this is, just another little tip to know, you really always need to get that natal chart, you know, drawn up because the sun is, you know, you've got to know was the sun that day in the sign before or in the sign it moves into if it's a, you know, what they call a cusp. So many people have this misunderstanding that they're both signs. Well, that's just mathematically impossible. You were either born at this moment when the sun was in the one sign or it had already moved into the next. So that's always very important. And why people, you know, think like, oh, I've got qualities of both of these signs is that when you're looking at planets like Mercury or Venus, for example, they very well may already be ahead in that sign. And so the Mercury or Venus is going to color and both of them determine your ways you think and communicate. And Venus is about your values and, and, and just what you enjoy and pleasure in life and how you're going to be agreeable about things. They can be right next to the sun, but not maybe in the same sign the sun is in. Venus and Mercury will never be more than two signs away from your natal sun sign because of the way their natural orbit works. There's no, they, like, for example, you cannot be a Capricorn and have a Venus in Gemini or a Mercury in Gemini or a Mercury in in Libra, for example, because that would be Mercury and Venus can't get that far away from the sun. So there's always going to be that either before or after your, your natal sun sign, uh, your, your Mercury and your Venus will never be more than two signs away, depending on what that moment in time 
was designed like when you were born. So, and and how Venus and Mercury work is they they work with very more uh, intimate changes that are constantly happening because they get around your chart in one full year, even when Mercury retrogrades. Mercury takes about 13 months to get around the entire zodiac. Venus does the same sometimes because she retrogrades. All the planets retrograde, by the way, uh, except for the sun. And the moon does it in this other as aspect called um, moon void, of course. It's another thing I'll talk about in another show. Uh, the importance of moon void, of course, in our timing. It's a very powerful thing uh, that we... So when the moon is void, it's kind of like, I call it like a mini Mercury retrograde. It's just a, another advised time not to be doing a lot of things uh, or uh, do a lot of matters of importance. So as we're, you know, again, looking to planets like, you know, Venus, Mercury, and equally Mars, but Mars takes a lot more time to get around the entire zodiac chart. It 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 won't get there. It won't get in the same places even within a year's time because uh it it's further out and we do have a mars return in our life give or take every 24 months so when something like that happens and the mars comes back to the natal point in the birth chart we have a moment where our desires our motivations and our action our ability to take action is kind of stimulated and something's going to significantly change about that and again that depends upon where the natal mars is positioned in the birth chart so that area of your life about every two years gets a little upgrade <laughs> and then we um you know get stimulated and and motivated to do something more inspiring than we had been doing before um or we certainly will see especially when we understand the energy of mars it's it's going to be concluding something on some level mars is a um he's an aggressive guy he's uh you know he's a little fiery well, he is fire, that's for sure. He's he's all about leadership and fire. And again, our ability to take some action. So we will continue uh, moving along with Saturn. So as we're looking, and I apologize, we're not going to be talking about Saturn right now. We're going to be talking about Jupiter. So Jupiter is very connected. If, if you have any understanding of your uh, Chinese zodiac animal, this is an interesting connect the dots to their system of understanding timing. Jupiter is uh, our planet of optimism, where we tend to hold our truth, where we have a lot of wisdom in our life. And it's also where we can be kind of excessive or a little bit scattered or a little bit over the top or at worst case scenario, have too much blind faith. And then we don't have a rein on that. Jupiter is where we also want to be very reachable and teachable in our life. So where that is in our natal chart is extremely important. But as we're understanding Jupiter and how it's transiting, it takes give or take a year to get through one zodiac sign. So it takes 12 years for Jupiter to get all the way around your chart back to that natal point. And that coincides with your zodiac, uh, your Chinese zodiac animal year that you're born under. That happens every 12 years in the life. You will have another Jupiter return. You will be back in your animal year. But as the Chinese work with all the different elemental layers a little bit differently than how they, they use wood and metal, which is different from how the Western astrology works with just the four elements of just fire, earth, air, water. The Chinese have that fifth element in there, and two of them are wood and metal. So every year when you're having a Jupiter return, every 12 years of your life, 
that animal is in a different elemental year. And then when you turn 60, you are in the same elemental year that you were born under. So, and the Chinese say that's your when you really step into your highest maturity and your highest wisdom. And what's interesting as you look at Saturn, and again, we're going to talk about Saturn in a moment, is that's when you're having your second Saturn return in your life. And that's also when you step into this highest moment where you're really able to take what you've done in your life through your experiences and and you've got all the wisdom you truly need. We we all need to wait till 60 for that. <laughs> yeah, it takes that long. Um <laughs> it's hilarious. We got to wait till 60 to have all the wisdom. <laughs> we certainly have a lot of wisdom before we're 60, but in the way that we really take it to a uh, a profound maturity level at 60 is is you know very very important to understand and 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 where where we arrive at by the time we're you know most of us become 60 so so every 12 years you've got that jupiter doing its thing so of course again that's 12 24 36 48 and then 60 and you'll be working with significant changes um, that associate with everything Jupiter is about during those years in the life. And then we look at Saturn. Now, of course, we've we've talked about Saturn uh, a little bit already. Uh, again, it's as it's it makes those seven-year aspects in our life, which. The first portion is that emotionally developing time, the most critical emotional development time. And if anybody, uh, if you're familiar with the Waldorf education, Rudolf Steiner, he is, uh, you know, he had a very, uh, he had a great understanding of astrology. If, if you understand, you know, his work and, and what he did in developing that education, but it was his knowing that said you have to work with a child only through music and art to develop that emotional base as seamlessly as possible which is why if 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 you if you are familiar with the um Waldorf and Steiner education which is of course all over the globe um they do not teach the children to to read or write until seven has has arrived. They only engage them in art and and music and and doing things like that. They don't teach them the the logic yet because it was his understanding you don't have the capability there's no necessity for that when you're that young because you're so sensitive in this emotional development period. And it's the most, again, the most critical time of emotional development in, in the soul. So I, I always appreciated that when, when I connected the dots with that later on, um, the, the value of that in, in the educational process. And of course, you know, Look at us here in America. We we don't practice that. <laughs> and there's other school systems across the globe that don't respect that either. Um, and and I do notice, I happen to have a, a Waldorf school near me uh, where I live here in New York. And and I've had a lot of people I've known there over the years. And I've, I've watched children develop in that education. And, and, and it is nothing short of amazing. Because there's something different about the way that they do mature and they do come into their own and, and how they, by the time they graduate, you know, full school at 17 years of age, they, they really have a, there's so much seemingly a calmer being and, you know, they have a more of a command of themselves in, in, in a very different way than I, I do watch people uh, be educated by the public school system. And of course, you know, I was a public school system person too. Um, but these, uh, 
Waldorf kids are, are, are pretty amazing that way. I, I have, no, you know, you notice it. You, you can see a difference in how that has um, colored and shaped their life. So Saturn does that seven-year aspects to the natal, which is poignant times in our development. And then by the time we reach the age of 28 to 30, we're in that span of it's the first Saturn return. This is Saturn again, takes 28 to 30 years to get all the way around that chart. And it's always when significant things have happened. So astrology will, will say, whatever you've done before that time has been everything connecting to learning and your most important growth. So if you made major decisions prior to 28 to 30, whether it's a marriage partner, career partner, career partnering, <laughs> you may notice at the Saturn return, if it's not what you're ultimately meant to be doing, the years of 28 to 30 are going to responsibly give you the experiences that, you know what, this isn't quite right. And, and we need to move this out of the way, which is why some people, if they're not quite where they should be, that Saturn return, 28 to 30 years of age, is going to kind of be a harder time because you've planted things that aren't meant to carry you forward into the next level of your maturity as you keep going. So a lot of people, let's say, if you get married long before your, your first Saturn return, you may notice there's that's not going to stick if it was not, not the right marriage partner. Or if you, you know, didn't pick the correct career. And again, it'll also deem where Saturn is placed in your natal chart, what area of life does that govern over and guide for you. And you'll notice at a Saturn return, 28 to 30 years of age, you're, you're going to have a very, um, you know, heightened awareness of what that area of life is about. And, and you're working through the experience of, of, you know, whatever it is you don't need anymore. Saturn's going to be like, you have to take accountability and responsibility to change this in some way, shape or form. So... And then we're going to get to another Saturn return by the time we're 58 to 60. And again, that'll align with the fifth time you've had a Jupiter return when you're 60. And supposedly that's when your greatest wisdom is here. <laughs> so we, we also feel that what we felt in our 28 to 30, we feel it again where we are in our level of maturity by the time we're 58 to, to, to 60. Um, so it levels us up and we, you know, tend to have very significant life things going on at, at, at that age, that level of maturity, level of evolution that, you know, are moving us into, again, attaining that greatest or being able to just express our wisdom differently than we ever had, you know, you're not just a, you can't have the cart before the horse kind of thing. You know, you get the cart and the horse when you're 60. <laughs> That's kind of how that works in, in many ways. So I'm going to tie in a, a, an example at the end of um, someone who is going through her second Saturn return. And uh, because she wasn't accountable, um, this, this kind of came up very interestingly, but I'll get into that a little later before we close out for, for this first episode. So we move on to Uranus. Now Uranus in our chart, wherever it's natally placed, is where we hold our ability to really be individual, really be different unique, use, utilize our originality. So wherever that natal Uranus is placed, 
Now, Uranus will never have, well, you do have a return with it, but it's not until much later in your life. Uranus, because it, it, it's much further out in its orbit, Uranus takes about 84 years to get around your entire chart. So you're going to have the squaring off in your 20s, and then by the time you reach your early 40s, the, the Uranus, excuse me, is in an opposition to your natal. And you've got those years where, you know, we most people have, um, you know, that's become the catchphrase, you get a midlife crisis. Well, the midlife crisis has to do with that Uranus opposition going on. And what is that? And what are the two areas of life? Because... You've got the area, you know, your your natal point, but in the in the current transit, the the, the Uranus is across the chart in the op, the opposition area of the life. So there's this rebalancing going on, which is why, and oppositions are are you know they they can be very tricky aspects because they're looking to strive for balance, but it, it it's really delicate in how that's going to be attained because it's working with one area of the life, which is one way, and it's the completely opposite in the other area of the life. And where that, you know, again, that current transit's manifesting. So when we're looking at how our Uranus opposition is happening, that's again, that midlife crisis kind of moments that go on and why we feel like, whoa. And because that opposition is happening. There's that reinvention. Uranus is about reform. Again, it's the originality. So it's saying, you know, by those early 40 years, if we're, you know, we, we feel kind of maybe sort of bored with what is, what, what's going on. And if we're, again, not at a point where we're doing what it is we truly are here to do, that Uranus opposition, that midlife crisis moments, are going to like just reform everything and everything is upturning and it seems very chaotic and it's like unpredictable and unexpected things are happening to us and we can't figure out why. So knowing our Uranus opposition is happening is very important so that we can navigate it and allow what these changes want to happen and know how to you know, reinvent ourselves on some level because we, we do that in, in our early 40s on on natural levels. Um, you know, some people are just a little bit more prepared for it and, and they're moving in their time super well and other people have not gotten to that point yet where they even know what they want to do with their life or maybe what they've been doing, they're so dissatisfied with it. Um, so if we choose things and kind of do things that are against, you know, it's like we're trying to be a square peg fitting in a round hole, you know, it doesn't work. So that Uranus time of opposition is, is, you know, it, it's a, another critical cycle that shakes things up and wants things to move in a different direction. And then we look at Neptune and again, you'll have that Uranus return when you're about 84 that the Uranus will come back so depending if you know and I know at this point you know humans we certainly live till 84 but there's you know just a lot of people who don't make it till 84 at all um sadly so but if we do make it to that point you know when you're in your early 80s almost to mid 80s uh you know, you're, you're just working with your life and a whole other different redefining the originality of it. So then we move on to Neptune, who will, um, again, that will never make a return in your lifetime. It's too far out, but it will do uh, the squaring and the, uh, and the opposition. The outer planets, and, and especially as we look at someone like Pluto, um, which uh, never gets around to the same point uh, that it was positioned when you're born because we don't, we just don't naturally live that long. That takes many years, uh, almost 200 
to be exact, or over 200. Um, America right now is in a Pluto return as a country. This is the first time the country's ever done this. But when we're looking at um, Saturn and Neptune, you know, they, they really are our planets that define the generations and, and how we start looking at breaking up generations of people and what they're considered to be, even if it kind of flows into a decade kind of understanding on the Gregorian calendar measurement. But we have, um, you know, just the ways that it's a, about a decade that, and Pluto, because it's a um, elliptical orbit, it also doesn't spend, like Saturn is always two and a half years in one side, and Jupiter is one year in one sign. But Pluto can spend anywhere from 14, give or take, to 20 years in one sign because its orbit isn't circular, it's elliptical. So that's also something interesting to understand about um, Pluto and, and, you know, wherever it is in that elliptical orbit, sometimes it's much longer years that it takes to get through one sign versus it could be around 14 years on the minimum. And so that's where we get these generational breakdowns. Um, and Neptune, of course, is our planet of... Uh, our spirituality, it's really how we hold our spirituality and how we hold our sense of how we are willing to see things that can't be physically seen. You know, how can we work with the unknown? How do we work with our instinct? How do we work with our intuition? Saturn, uh, excuse me, Neptune in our chart is going to uh, color and flavor that for us. And when that makes aspects that will put us through some spiritual uh, experiences that kind of bring us to like awakening aha moments in our life. Like for example, right now in America's chart, we are having a Neptune opposition in the country's chart, which is between the area of belief systems for the nation, and then the current transit is happening in our thinking, communication, mindset. And the last time this aspect happened in the nation was preceding the Civil War. So whatever you want to believe about what is going on in America right now, there is certainly a adjustment going on between what the country believes, what it holds to be true, and then how everything is being circulated in thinking, communicating, and, and moving through the, the, the mentality of the nation as a pure entity. So we've got all that going on. We'll see how that keeps transiting. And to tie up what, uh, we touched upon the Pluto return for the for the nation that that is also going on, that hasn't happened in uh, again in the country's history, and uh, this is why uh, you're also watching in America uh, very intense times going on, and this this relates in the country to our value system because our nat our natal Pluto is placed in what we have as a nation, the possessions, the money. The ability to earn, all of these things are tied in to that. So it's why we're working with that in all established systems. Whatever we feel has been a source of security or a foundation of security, all of these things are being examined right now for their worth and the value. And Pluto being the planet that is the near-death rebirth experience. Um, that's why the country's feeling so volatile at the moment. And this has been going on since 2021, because again, Pluto is so uh, slow moving and the way that he's retrograding, because he'll do it too, but all your outer planets, when they retrograde, they do it for months on end. They don't do it for the three weeks like a Mercury retrograde does. It's why we're doing this from 2021 until 2024 as a nation. So we're really in the, the midst of it right now. Um, 
you can find that up on, um, I'll, I'll give you the information for my, um, how to connect with me and more information and articles and different interviews and things I've done focusing on that uh, Pluto return for the nation um, as we close up where you can find all that. And um, it's, it's, it's really deep what's going on in America right now under that Pluto return. So it's, it's um, again, something a human cannot experience, but something like a country that's pretty much who gets them. <laughs> the countries get the Pluto returns, not the people. So to tie in just a, a current event uh, example, I wanted to to touch upon, you know, wh whatever you believe about things, but, you know, she's been tried in a court of law at this point and, and things have been determined, is uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And what's interesting in her chart right now that we have going on is she is, well, she's just, she turned 61 last December. She's, she's a, she's a Christmas baby and she turned, um, she turned 61 last December and She's in a year where she's just going through, uh, you know, this is gone from major permanent changes that happened at the time she got arrested. And she's in a year where she's meant to be contending with legalities. Now, <laughs> being that obviously she wasn't accountable in what her actions were, it, this is pretty severe what's going on for her. But what's... Uh, her Saturn return is totally, you know, it passed over, you know, leading up till that point. So because she had not been accountable, she got, you know, Saturn said, I'm sorry, this wasn't, this wasn't responsible. So I, you know, we're not going to let this go on. But the other thing that's happening in her chart, so her natal Saturn is at 28 degrees at Capricorn. That's exactly where Pluto is now, although it just eased back under retrograde to 27 degrees. So uh, she's got the planet of transformation on her natal Saturn. And that's why this has finally come to the point of culmination. And, you know, there's, there's really, you know, depending on what happens. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, had mentioned, oh, they gave her only 20 years. I mean, but she's 61. So even if she does serve her complete prison sentence, you know, she'll, she'll be 81 when she gets out. I mean, there's only going to be so much more of life left. Um, and whether or not she'll own up to what, well, what could she be doing at 81? But um, what I also found interesting about Ghislaine is when I got into her lexigrams, I was like blown out. Now, this is something I do. This is like my third little powerful divination tool I use. And lexigrams are the way that you take names, words, and titles, and you play the little game of anagrams. So you form are the words from the, you only using the letters in the original, and then you phrase them like poetry or prose, and it spells out the truth. It's, it's so uncanny how this works. So this is when I really get into deep analysis of people. This is the third thing besides the natal astrology and, and, and the um, numerology that I, I examine through the name. So her full name is Ghislaine Noel Marion Maxwell. This is what we can spell via lexigrams from her name. As a millionaire is seen in mean sex illegal sin in illegal examining in all main news. Is an alias role as a wing woman in a willing allowing sex. Manages aligns in mean sex malaise swirling agonies is no real winner as legal laws re-examinings go on. Because I think that they actually contested what just got, you know, her, what her, you know, end result was. So 
that is a little example of how that works. So, you know, again, when you're not accountable in life, it will catch up with you at some point. And when you have things aspecting a planet like Saturn, as she does right now, accountability will have to happen. Uh, there's no other way that the universe wants that to work. Saturn is is a planet that he's like your father. You know, if you're not living up, up to snuff, so to speak, he's going to give you something to experience until you get it. And even if it's the hardest lesson you ever learn. So that's important uh, to always understand about Saturn and, and what he's doing. So I am going to wrap up today. And we are, um, hopefully this first episode was informative for you and it was enjoyable and maybe no matter what age you are, gave you a little bit more insight about why things were happening at particular levels of maturity in your life versus the age itself. So... You can find me on sharitastar.com. If you ever want to take a look at your personal forecast, of course, you can look under my services drop-down menu. You'll see all your options there. I can take you on the deepest soul dives you ever want to go and to understand these spiritual human experiences. And we are um, also on Patreon, Soul Certainty Community. So I invite you to join me on there. I just put up a uh, wonderful detailed piece about America and what's going to be anticipated in the next year. Till next time, dear stars, I thank you for listening and never compromise, living consciously. Namaste, dear stars.
Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.